Now serving B24 at DMV window number seven. Okay, Jim, we're next in line. Perfect, Jim. Things are going very smoothly. You remember the cell phone bill? Yes, and the birth certificate. Nice. We'll have a real ID in no time. That's right. Ready to fly to Carla's graduation and then the big game. Real great work, Jim. You too, Jim. Excuse me, are you talking to yourself? Now serving B25 at window number 10. That's our cue, Jim. Excuse us. Talk yourself into Real ID readiness by May 3rd, 2023. Make a plan at dhs.gov slash Real ID. This episode of Energy Matters is sponsored by Arnold Golden and Gregory. Welcome to Energy Matters, a show about how you can save money on your utility bills, use technology wisely, and live a more sustainable lifestyle. Here's your host, veteran energy regulator and clean energy expert, Commissioner Tim Eccles. Thank you, Scott Slade. It's always great to be saving money on that power bill, using technology wisely, and living a more sustainable life. Hey, this is Commissioner Eccles, and we are on the road in the very first LEED Gold building in Gwinnett County, and we're out at the Gwinnett Environmental and Heritage Center with Cami Fulmer. Cami, it's great to be here. Thank you so much for coming out and, and visiting our facility. We appreciate it. I am so excited about this tour and having our listeners maybe come out here and check it out for themselves because I just, I love this building and it's so expansive. And, and so let's start and tell me a little bit about the history of this building. Who in the world had the vision for this? Well, this uh, building is owned and operated by the Gwinnett County Board of Commissioners. Uh, it was built in, it was finished being built in 2006. And in 2007, uh, we received the gold uh, lead certification. Uh, for the building, they were aiming for silver, but they exceeded those uh, criteria and were able to achieve gold. It was the first LEED certified building in the county, um, and it has some really unique features that we use even today in our educational programmings that we do here on site. Hey, let's walk outside just a minute, because uh, this is this place is, is as much outside as it is inside. And so I'm coming out. I'm fully vaccinated. I'm going to pull my mask off while we're outside. Um, and as you come into the property, one, it just looks like a massive green space park here. Uh, tell me about tell me about the actual land itself. So we have uh, just over 200 acres here with about 10 miles of trail. Um, And that was definitely the original intention to have a very natural feel uh, for the building to really uh, be a part of the landscape. One of the unique features that was part of the LEED certification, um, when they were choosing a site for this building, they actually chose a dry ravine. So the building is built into this dry ravine so we didn't have to level the property um, and we're able to keep that original contour of of the land. Um, And we were able to build the parking lot lot of course you can't have a parking lot on a ravine so we were able to choose the uh, flattest part of the property for the parking lot it was already naturally flat so it, it worked out really well in that aspect you know as I've walked through this morning and even outside water seems to be a big big theme and and this kind of takes folks through the history of Gwinnett County and clearly Lake Lanier is a big part of Gwinnett County. My daughter lives on Lake Lanier and she's in Gwinnett County. It's only a a tiny piece in Gwinnett and she's there. So I'm regularly in Gwinnett County on Lake Lanier fishing with my grandson. But tell me about the importance of water to this facility. Absolutely. Um, So we, of course, include uh, water in our education, uh, water conservation, the importance of water, um, that life depends on water. Um, There are a lot of really neat features about the building that are related to water as well. So we actually share our property with the Wayne Hill Wastewater Treatment Plant. um, And we actually use... um reuse water from that plant that's been cleaned, but it's not drinking water quite yet. Um, and we use that water in our building, uh, in our toilets, in the irrigation system, and in our unique water feature, which hopefully we'll get a chance to see uh, in a little while and talk a little bit more about that as well. So we're using reuse water uh, rather than uh, potable water in those, in those areas. Yeah, let's take a walk uh, towards that facility. You know, this reminds me of just a couple of buildings in Atlanta that do this. One, the NCR building uses a what they call purple line, and they take runoff water, I guess we'll call that gray water, that goes into their cistern underneath their parking deck. And by the way, it's the only 
double platinum lead building east of the Mississippi. Uh, so that NCR building is just stunningly sustainable as you go through. So tell me where we're going here along this path. So uh, one of the unique features about this building is the water feature. It actually was built in that what was the dry ravine that runs through the bottom of our building. And it was built to help reduce the amount of energy we use with our HVAC system. So the way this feature works, it's a beautiful feature. So it's aesthetically pleasing, but it also has a function. And what it does is the water from the feature goes into our building and helps cool down our HVAC system. Whoa, 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 whoa. Tell me. I mean, we talk about geothermal. Uh, we, we talk about all kinds of technology. And, and folks can hear this water. And we're walking along what appears to be a little man-made creek with all kind of cool uh, flowers in it. And, but it's going under. I've never seen anything like this. It's going under your building. So how is this helping to cool the HVAC system. So through the unique properties of water, uh, the water from this feature goes into the building. It absorbs the heat from our um, HVAC system. It comes back outside. It starts at the top of the water feature. And as the water cascades down um, all of our different pools here, it's releasing that heat, cooling the water back off so it can go back into the building and cool our system down again. It's a remarkable feature. Um, And again, you know, we're talking about how it's aesthetically pleasing. Uh, A lot A lot of times we'll have weddings out here or um, other rentals, and of course we use it for educational purposes. Um, A few years ago we added plants to the water feature um, that are actually living um, very happily in the water feature. We also have some animals, uh, some critters that like to call this uh, man-made water feature their home. Um, Every year we get frogs and dragonflies and turtles um, that like to call this this living uh, feature home. You know, this is this is so cool. And until you see it, and I'm going to post a number of photos about this on Twitter and on our social sites, but it, you're, you're seeing this creek that runs underneath this building. And as we go on through this uh, kind of uh, kind of archway here, uh, where is this water eventually going and how does it get back up to the top? So it goes into the building and it circulates through the HVAC uh, system. And um, it is that reuse water that uh, we're, we're getting from the Wayne Hill Wastewater Treatment Plant. So we're, we're recycling it throughout the building. Um, you mentioned the arches. Uh, and I love talking about this unique feature as well. So the water feature is... Um, is a very noticeable feature of our green building, but something that you might walk past um, is the granite on the exterior of the building. So uh, using the three R's, reduce, reuse, recycle. Um, This is an example of how we reused uh, items. So the granite here came from Elberton, Georgia, um, from a quarry that um, when they would make signs or um, headstones that had the wrong date or a wrong name or didn't get picked up, they would have this leftover granite that they couldn't use. So what we were able to do is take that granite, turn it around so that the side that has the writing on it isn't showing and use it as a decorative feature. And again, when we have our educational programs out here with our um, school field trips and our summer camps, we love to talk to uh, students and the general public about these features and these um, innovative design uh, that you can do with reducing, reusing and recycling. Oh, wow. These three R's. We talk about this all the time on our show. And that is so cool that you were able to take these headstones, tombstones, whatever you want to call it, and use it. And of course, we're right here in the shadow of Stone Mountain, really, not too far away, where we have just this enormous amount of granite. We have this granite vein that really runs from Stone Mountain all the way to Elberton, Elberton through and in, in and around Athens, but we're continuing to walk around the base of the building, and here we are kind of at the bottom of, uh, of the creek, and it forms a little pond. There's trees growing in it, and I'm assuming there's a pipe here somewhere that's taking it into the building. Yes, that's true. Um, and actually from this uh, vantage point as well, you can actually see our green roof, uh, which is another one of the really neat features of this building. Um, so it is one of the largest sloped vegetated roofs in the southeast. It's 40,000 square feet. Um, 
And when they were building the Environmental and Heritage Center, one of the um, one of the goals was to sh- illustrate how you could build a beautiful building um, that's also environmentally friendly. And a lot of buildings have sloped roofs. Um, flat roofs are not always uh, deemed as aesthetically pleasing as a sloped roof. Like you know, most most homes have sloped roofs. So it was really important to illustrate that that could be possible. There are uh, plants growing on our roof. It helps offset the heat island effect. Um, so because we have plants on the roof, rather than uh, like a, a normal dark colored or black roof that would uh, radiate the heat outwards from the sun, those plants are absorbing uh, the sun um, and, and retaining that energy. It also provides great insulation for our building and it provides, it makes sure that we still have a habitat for some of our birds um, and our insects that call this area home. Wow, that is so cool. And from here, I can see, you know, I can see the roof across the way. Uh, I can see the roof of this building here. So it's look, it looks like you use almost your entire roof for what is essentially a garden. That's, that's absolutely true. Um, and speaking of plants, another thing uh, about our property, um, as we were developing and as we continue to uh, develop the property, we use a lot of native plants. Um, we have uh, horsetail. You might have seen it. It looks a little bit like bamboo, um, but it's actually a native plant. Um, bamboo is not native, but um, horsetail is as you're walking in. Um, so that's Uh, A lot of that is out at the front of our property. Um, We have beauty berries, oak trees. So we're trying to landscape with native plants as well, which helps um, use less water because native plants are are native to this area. So they they thrive in this environment as as they should. Well, when we come back, uh, we may get up there towards the top of this roof maybe and be able to see it uh she's shaking her head maybe not um but we're going to walk through this building we're going to tell you about more of the really cool features you got to come out here to the Gwinnett Environmental and Heritage Center not too far from the Mall of Georgia really cool hey I'm Tim Eccles you're listening to Energy Matters stick around we'll be right back with Cammie Fulmer Energy Matters would like to thank Gas South for its support of the show. Gas South has a no deposit policy and offers some of the lowest per therm rates in the state. Use the promo code MATTERS for a special deal. Gas South, the difference is good. Gas South believes in the difference we can all make, like the difference in putting people first and showing that you care. For us, our difference is saving people money with our best rates and no deposit, and the difference we make in our community by taking care of our friends and neighbors and giving back 5% of our profits to help children in need. Learn more about what makes us different at GasSouth.com. Gas South. The difference is good. Logan Booker, producer of Energy Matters, here for Green Power EMC. From the suburbs to rural farming communities, Georgia is enjoying the benefits of a more sustainable future through the power of solar energy. Available from 38 of Georgia's member-owned electric membership cooperatives, or EMCs, these not-for-profit utilities are harnessing the sun's energy to bring clean, renewable, and affordable electricity to 4.2 million Georgians. For more information, visit www.greenpoweremc.com or contact your local EMC. This episode of Energy Matters is sponsored by Arnold, Golden, and Gregory, an AMLAW 200 law firm with 180 attorneys in Atlanta and Washington, D.C. They take a business sensibility approach when advising clients. They provide industry knowledge, attention to detail, transparency, and value to help businesses and individuals achieve their definition of success. AGG subscribes to the belief not if, but how. We thank John Gornall and all the attorneys and staff at AGG for sponsoring our show. Hey, Tim Eccles back on Energy Matters with Cammie Fulmer here at the Gwinnett Environmental and Heritage Center. Cammie, do you ever wish the name was a little shorter? Sometimes I do. Sometimes we just refer to it as the GEHC. So, um, but it 
it really uh, encompasses all of the things that we do. Um, we do talk about environmental sciences. We talk about um, history and culture. Um, and one of the things we were talking about our green building on our property, we also have the Cheshire Williams House. Um, and one of the unique things we're able to do that Cheshire Williams House um, was built in the late 1800s. Um, and in some of our field trip programs, we're able to compare our new building, our green LEED certified building with modern, innovative um, building techniques to older building styles. And just a quick um, comparison, our current building, our the modern LEED certified building, um, uses light harvesting, daylight harvesting to help reduce our energy uh, consumption by not needing lights as much. Um, and what's unique out of necessity in the 1800s, they didn't have electricity, so they had to do some, they didn't call it uh, daylight harvesting, but they had to do the same thing. They had to rely on windows um, throughout the home to make sure they had enough light uh, to see inside the building. So we're standing in between this historic house and your lead gold building, and I see these chains up there. What are, what are these rain chains? What do they do? So um, they are a really uh, nice feature of our building. Lots of people, um, they're a little bit different. They're a little unique. Um, and lots of people just like the look of them. Um, they're no different than your regular uh, gutters that you use at home. Um, but they are doing the same important purpose of making sure that you don't have extreme runoff from your roof. You're kind of guiding the water from the roof uh, to a specific point so that you, you don't cause additional erosion from rain runoff. And you've got the ability to collect some rainwater around here and water is as we were saying in the first segment it's such an important part of your displays and your education on the inside I mean I guess you uh, running this place you've had a chance to learn a lot about it too how has how has being a part of this made you look at water differently um, it's definitely made me appreciate it more and really make the connection um, I mean we all learn this in elementary school that Life needs water, um, but really reiterating and seeing that on a daily basis. Um, and we do, in, in our educational programs, just really try to make that connection that all the life we see around us when we're walking in our parks, um, when we're in our backyards, rely on water and rely on clean water. Yeah, let's head back up towards the front because I want to I want to go in and kind of as we wrap up this segment in a few minutes, walk through some of these displays. And, you know, obviously this is an extremely unique building. And I, I mean, I, I, I travel our state and very seldom do you see something like this. And so I'm, I'm wondering how in the world you guys got this thing accomplished because it cost a little bit more to build a lead gold building especially with all the cool features that that you have here how did this vision play out um, we were very uh, lucky um, in Gwinnett County we have the SPLOS program um, and the building was funded by SPLOS funds from 2001 and from 2005 wow you know as we talk with Fortune 500 companies that are coming to Georgia or want to come to Georgia. But one of the things that we're marketing to them is just a greater emphasis on renewable energy, clean energy, that Georgia is working really hard to be at the forefront of sustainability. And so we've we've moved up, you know, in terms of our solar portfolio, we have moved up under the top 10, something I'm really proud about. I'm, we're back around to the front, and I'm, you can kind of hear me huffing and puffing just a little bit because we just went up a went up a hill. Tell me about the little sculptures that you have out here. This one with the child playing with the tortoise. That's that's really neat. Um, so this sculpture is really unique, um, and it features. Um, it's kind of twofold. It's supposed to depict this idea of sharing. Um, a love of nature and an understanding of our local environment um, from generation to generation. So you have um, a gentleman who's talking to some children and they're looking at, um, at a turtle. Um, the second side of it is this is actually based, the, uh, the gentleman is uh, based on Wayne Hill, um, who was the chairman of the board of the Gwinnett County Board of Commissioners when this building was built. Um, and he was very heavily involved and invested in the development of this building. And so um, it's great that we were able to honor him in this way. 
Wow, that's awesome. Let's head on into the building. We'll slip our masks back on as we as we get into the building. Tell me what we're going to see as we go down the main hall. So our main exhibit is all about how the people who've lived in this area throughout history have relied on the environment and, and water included and how the environment has made an impact uh, on their daily lives as well. So it's kind of like a timeline of history um, looking at different different periods in in the area's history. Um, it starts with the Native Americans, specifically the Cherokee and the Creek, who um, lived in this area before European settlement. Hey, let, let me stop and just say a word about the Cherokee. And we're standing in front of the waterways before 1818 sculpture, and we've got uh, a Cherokee brave. Uh, he's He's in a dugout. He's got some a bow and arrow and maybe his family with him. And they're getting some maybe some clams, uh, you know, out of the water. My great, great, great grandfather, five times, Richard Phillips, just one county up in Forsyth County. Uh, he was a legislator in 1830 and he was a missionary to the Cherokee Indians. And when the Cherokee land was confiscated, he rode on horseback with them all the way to the Tennessee River uh, as they were being ejected, as he was ministering to them. And he, uh, he, he only served one term. And I have a feeling, and I went back to look at legislative records, and I have a feeling it was because he was always voting to release slaves and he was working on behalf of the welfare of the Cherokee. And that probably wasn't a very politically correct position at the time, but clearly the Cherokees uh, played a really important role in our state. Absolutely. Um, and and looking at this uh, diorama, as you mentioned, um, there's a dugout canoe. Um, there's uh, It's depicting life along the river, um, along creeks, and how important it was to the Cherokee and the Creek who were living in this area at the time. They used it for transportation. They used it as a food source. Um, and in this display, we even like to feature... Um, a few different native plants. Um, so the item in the back back there that looks a little bit like bamboo, that's actually river cane. So it is a native um, type of, of bamboo um, that you don't see quite as much as you used to. Um, so we like to, to highlight that as well. You know, as we're walking down the, the main kind of corridor here, we've got some classrooms and I see some wedding venue type of type of arches and things like that. Tell me about the visitors that, that come here. So we are primarily an educational um, institution. Uh, We provide educational opportunities for school groups, um, for summer camps, for the general public. We do festivals and events here. Um, But we also are a rental space. Um, So we do have corporate events that will um, book rooms in our facility, sometimes for conferences or for breakout days for their company. Um, And we also do have... uh, quite a few weddings that occur here. So uh, for the bride and groom who uh, like like to be nature or just like the idea of having an environmentally friendly venue for their wedding, those are the the sorts of weddings that we attract here at this facility. And again, it is a beautiful facility. As we go to the next display, we've got, we just got a few minutes left in the show. We've got, it looks like maybe some cotton farmers here and a saddle maybe representing this time when Gwinnett was involved in a lot of farming maybe some manufacturing. I think about in Buford, there was a tannery there. And then we've got a display about Lake Lanier. As we wrap up, tell me about the impact uh, about the importance of Lake Lanier for Gwinnett County. And that's one of the things we really like to highlight because it is used as a recreational um, facility. People go to the lake um, to be on boats, to fish, to swim, Um, but it's so crucial to our area. Um, And we like to talk about, you know, Gwinnett County uh, is one of the fastest growing counties in the country. Um, And really that infrastructure of having Lake Lanier for water is what helps support the growth in our area. Um, And it's just, it's just so vital. And uh, we really like to make, make sure people know how important it is. How can folks find out about coming here, the website, and, uh, and how, can they, how can they get here? You can always call us. We love hearing from people. Um, but you can also visit our website, uh, which is www.gwinnettehc.com. Um, and our phone number is 770-904-3500. So we look forward to seeing you all here. Yeah, so this is a fantastic facility, the Gwinnett Environmental 
and Heritage Center is, is kind of tucked away just south of Buford Drive near the Mall of Georgia. And you're not going to believe that there can be this kind of green space that close to the Mall of Georgia. Is that a reaction that a lot of people give you? A lot of people say that. Um, we like to kind of refer ourselves as a, a hidden gym because we are in the middle of this beautiful, expansive green space um, near the Mall of Georgia where there is, is so much development. So um, it's, it's great when people discover us and, and come out for our programs and events. So there you have it, the, the the road trip to the Gwinnett Environmental and Heritage Center. I'm Tim Eccles, the host. I've been with Cami Fulmer, and she directs the, the great project here. You've got to come out here and check it out. A wonderful spring field trip for you, the kids, your group. Fantastic. Thanks for being on the show today. Thank you so much for coming out and visiting us. Hey, stick around. We've got some more great programming for you. I'm Tim Eccles. You're listening to Energy Matters. Energy Matters would like to thank Gas South for its support of the show. Gas South has a no deposit policy and offers some of the lowest per therm rates in the state. Use the promo code MATTERS for a special deal. Gas South, the difference is good. Tim Eccles of Energy Matters here for Solar Sun World. No doubt you've seen solar panels popping up all over the state. If you want the precision of German engineering when it comes to solar, Solar Sun World is for you. Gerd and all the folks at Solar Sun World understand the complexities of solar and how to make it work for you. From tax credits to inverters to accelerated depreciation, they'll advise you on the best path forward. And Solar Sun World now offers power purchase agreements. Find them at solarsunworld.com, solarsunworld.com. Tim Eccles for Marlin Gas Services. As the port continues to grow, more and more trucking companies are using natural gas in their trucks instead of diesel. Marlin Gas Services is helping to usher in this clean opportunity. With their specialized rigs, they create virtual pipelines with all the equipment and expertise to provide reliable, clean natural gas. Marlin Gas is the company that gas utilities, pipeline companies, and industrial facilities turn to. See MarlinGas.com for more information. This episode of Energy Matters is sponsored by BMVW Auto Sales. With gas prices hitting over $3 for the first time since 2014, isn't it time you consider a hybrid or a plug-in hybrid from BMVW Auto Sales? These plug-in hybrids will go 50 miles on electric charge, saving you precious money and time. Skip the line at the gas pumps and charge in your garage. See more at ev-hybrid.com. That's ev-hybrid.com. Hello, my name is Juliette Chavit, and I am the founder of the SparkGrid Customer Education Symposium. I am very honored and pleased today to be here with Commissioner Tim Eccles from Georgia. Um, Commissioner Eccles is the recipient of this year's Smart Grid Customer Education Innovation Award. He is the Innovator of the Year. Um, Commissioner Eccles has been the commissioner in Georgia for more than a decade and has been responsible for tremendous amounts of success and transformation in the state. And we're sitting down today with him to get a better understanding of his perspective on where the state is going and his thoughts on the role of innovation and customer education. But thank you, Commissioner Eccles, for being here today. Thank you, and it's an honor to receive this award. I'm so excited about some of the things happening in my state and beyond. Okay, so let's let's start with your state. Um, as I mentioned, you've been here for um, over a decade in this role, and I'm sure you've seen tremendous amount of growth um, and innovation. Uh, our industry has gone through the deployment of AMI and Smart Grid, and there are new applications coming every day. What do you see? What have you seen over the past ten years? Um, you know, in this in this area in the state, and and where do you see the state going? The growth of solar and its acceptance with my GOP colleagues uh, in Georgia has been significant. It's allowed us to really make great progress, particularly with utility scale solar. And I I had hoped for this. I've done educational seminars across the state for the last 10 years, but it actually happened. And I'm having Republicans ask me, when are we gonna get my, more solar in my community? I think EV acceptance with Republicans is my next great challenge uh, because the Republicans in Georgia just have not embraced it. Clearly the pandemic has brought us a hybrid workplace and it's accelerated distance learning for children and adults alike. So I do see the outcome of the pandemic as obviously being significant in how it's, how it's changing the way 
that we were. But if we look back in the last century and getting America electrified, clearly the biggest challenge I think ahead of us is getting America connected. Uh, connectivity is huge because it impacts so many other aspects of life. And our Public Service Commission is very engaged with uh, being a part of the to do that. This is such a gigantic challenge. I don't really see any one agency being able to conquer it. To that point, who do you see as playing key roles um, in the success and of, of this connectivity and and how um, how critical that is right now in a post-COVID environment? What players, what sorts of um, sectors in the, in the industry? Well, the newest player in Georgia is our electric membership cooperatives and partnerships that they are creating as a result of a law that was changed here and our involvement with setting poll attachment fees for them. So I think partnerships, collaborations are, are really good. So you've got, got companies from out of state coming in, working with a local utility like an EMC that already has uh, relationships with their members. And we're seeing EMCs basically say, we're going to provide connectivity to 100% of our members. And that kind of an outreach is substantial so I, I do think those players are going to be significant as we bring traditional cable or fiber uh, to people. But these low orbiting satellites that uh, are being launched out of uh, out of the Dragon and uh, and and who knows who else will do this in the future, I think have the ability to really accelerate this and throw this additional variable in there. So it's just a matter of how long will it be before the qualities where it needs to be, where the quantities where it needs to be with low orbiting satellites. But I, I do think that probably is the biggest variable for connectivity. That's that's excellent. And um, we certainly are seeing connectivity play a role in smart cities and certainly collaboration in, in this area. Are you seeing any work in smart city in the state? And, um, and what role are the utilities playing in this area? Connectivity is the backbone of any smart city deployment. And certainly we've selected one strip uh, in front that goes from Georgia Tech and the Coke World headquarters down to Pont City Market is our test corridor. So I think we'll have a lot of different innovation happen there. I know um, a while back before the pandemic, I rented a bunch of low-speed electric vehicles and invited sustainability leaders from all over our city to join me, I borrowed the Kia factory headphones that they use for their tour. And we had about 10 low speed vehicles going along this corridor, you know, with everyone with headsets, stopping at various places and hearing about some of the things that were gonna happen. So it was a really cool way to educate these sustainability leaders about, uh, about a technology that might be scaled up from just North Avenue to many other places in our city. And that is such a great example of why you're receiving this award and how hands-on you are in this transformation, such a critical part of that and not just setting policy, but implementing that policy. So I think congratulations on that as well. Um, what sorts of challenges do you see facing the state in terms of some of this adoption of, of connectivity and energy innovation. Are, are there any challenges that you have to overcome in the state? Well, for me as a utility regulator, uh, clearly finishing Plant Vogel, our nuclear plant, the only state building new nuclear in the in the U.S., uh, that would have been my answer three years ago amidst the Westinghouse bankruptcy, but it appears that we have survived that, that, that we will finish with Unit 3 and December and then unit four a year from December. Now our utilities are being asked to help cities fulfill their 100% clean energy goals. California has shown us how difficult this can be. And so my advice obviously is, hey, let's work collaborative, collaboratively to Atlanta, to Athens, to Augusta, Savannah, these other large cities. If you want to reach these goals, you're going to need to work with the utility in order to be able to accomplish this because you don't have the ability and the wherewithal within your city to do such a mammoth task and it requires a lot of cooperation what role do you see for consumers 
in, in the future of energy reduction. Certainly, there's more of the EV infrastructure. People are motivated to maybe buy, drive or buy an EV. And do you see um, a need for utilities to do more to educate their customers about their role in the future of smarter energy? Clearly, microgrids are gaining momentum. More people are talking about them, but there are challenges to doing microgrids, unintended consequences. So I think it's going to be harder to do microgrids than we than we think. I know we're experimenting it, at Georgia Tech with a microgrid, and depending on what you're trying to support, whether it's a clinic or, I'll say, a health clinic versus a data center, it's going to depend on your mixture uh, of energy sources. But consumers, I think, not all of them, but there are a segment of consumers that really want to play a role in the future of energy. And I think some of them will turn their home into an energy plant by adding solar. Others may play a role in just using less energy and being smarter about it, maybe because now they have a smart thermostat or other smart appliances, or maybe they're getting a text message on their phone that reminds them about how much energy they used yesterday and what the temperature is going to be today. Uh, still others are just trying to survive and they don't have the bandwidth to really think about technology and being smarter. And so we've got to step up, I think, as leaders, as utilities and be able to help our neighbors who are in trouble. That's why I'm so proud of the EMCs for their Operation Roundup program, the power company and the gas company providing low-income assistance and scholarships available. And of course, what's coming out of the federal government on that. But it, it takes a lot of effort to be able to shore up a large metropolitan area. And I think we still have a long way to go. And um, I hope you'd agree with me that this is a very um, exciting time to be in, in this industry and to watch this energy transformation. On a personal note, are there specific things that excite you most or more about you know, what's happening, what's coming our way, even if it's not currently in the market? I mean, clearly batteries are the next big shiny object. Hydrogen is sitting there knocking on the door wanting to be the shiny object, but I think batteries are in line first and uh, we're going to continue to see more batteries. I think for me, as the president puts more emphasis on electric vehicles and we see more adoption of, of electric vehicles that are sitting in these garages or at these homes with this battery, essentially a rolling battery. The, the technology that excites me the most is being able to plug that car in and feed back energy onto the grid. So vehicle to grid and back vehicle and being able to aggregate those devices. Well, we are very lucky to have a commissioner that has such an appreciation for innovation and technology and a fearlessness about it with understanding the the business case for for these um, investments but regardless the the energy and the technology coming our way um, it's so exciting to have someone like you in your role and i do want to say that this year we are honoring we are honoring game changers in the industry and we most certainly identify you as a game changer and you will continue to be an important part of the future of energy transformation in this country and um i want to thank you for your time anything that you would like to add well thank you for the honor i, I just want us to be nicer and kinder to one another it makes it easier to collaborate. We've got so much that we need to do as, as a country, as a state, as, as cities, and working together is not that hard, uh, but it does require us to be proactive and to have self-control and to think about others in a better way. And we, we can do better, and I hope that we'll move forward in that way. Thank you so much. Thank you for being here with us today. Everyone has tough times in their life. By checking the project share box at the bottom of your utility bill, you can make life a little easier for your neighbors. Your one, two, or five dollar checkoff is matched by the utility and then used by the Salvation Army to help folks having a tough time paying their energy bills. It's that easy. Join PSC Commissioner Tim Eccles and many others by donating via your power bills this year. See more by clicking projectshareinfo.com. And thank you.
Hey, this is Tim Eccles. We talk all the time on Energy Matters about buying a used EV instead of a new one. Let someone else pay the depreciation. BMVW Auto Sales, one of our show sponsors, can fix you up. Go to their website at ev-hybrid.com to see the ever-changing inventory. BMVW has every brand, every type of EV, and they'll even let you test drive it for three days, show you how to charge it and drive it for maximum performance. That's ev-hybrid.com. EV. Hybrid.com. This segment of Energy Matters is sponsored by Hall Booth Smith. This law firm works with over 88 Fortune 500 companies, and they have offices from Brunswick to Athens, Tifton to Columbus, and of course, Atlanta. We'd like to thank Hall Booth Smith for the great work they do with school boards, hospitals, cities, and counties all over our state. See more at hallboothsmith.com. Welcome back to Energy Matters. I'm Casey Boyce here along with Tim Eccles. And Tim, that was a great interview that uh, we just heard with you and Juliet Shavit. Uh, congratulations again on being named the Innovator of the Year by the Smart Grid Customer Education Symposium. Of course, something that we had uh, broke the news to our listeners a couple of weeks ago. But uh, great to hear a little bit more about you know what you've d- been doing around customer education. Yeah, it was it was a surprise. Casey, we had her on our show, and I mean, she and her organization, very innovative, and I had no idea they even had awards, but so it was a little bit of a shock when she came to us uh, and, and, you know, and announced this, but I'm really honored, and as I think about, you know, the last 10 years, I mean, I would say half of my commission life is educating people out there, whether it's a, a little lunch and learn we're doing or an official program like this radio show or the Clean Energy Road Show. Uh, it, it just, I don't know, maybe it's because I work with young people so long and I've just been in a teaching mode and I love to educate people. <laughs> Yeah, that's great. Well, Tim, before we move on, I've got a couple of things that I want to follow up with you on from uh, your conversation with Juliet. But before we do that, I want to stick on this theme of educating folks. And and you were telling me just before we recorded this segment, uh, you did something a little unique uh, to help educate folks around renewable natural gas. What did you do just before we recorded this segment? Yeah, our friend Meredith Hodges and Frank Morris from Clean Cities and uh, and Mike from UPS, they had a renewable natural gas forum where they were basically bringing on experts, defining it, talking about how you get it. And they asked me to do a little greeting. And initially, Casey, I was just going to do it behind a Zoom you know, laptop in my house. But I decided that, yeah, everybody else was sitting you know, in some room with some diffuser putting out peppermint essential oils or something. And I'm, I'm sitting there in a nasty uh, horse trailer and the flies. Oh, my goodness, the flies. The glamorous life of a public service commissioner uh, hanging out in the back of a a truck full of horse manure. Uh, That's why you get paid the big bucks, Tim. Uh, All right. So I want to stick with with trucks for a second, because as we record this, there was a big announcement earlier this week of a new electric truck from Ford, the F-150 Lightning. Did you catch this, Tim? I did. I saw the president driving it and... Uh, of course, Ford has been talking about this, and, and, and in Georgia with the SK Innovations battery plant, we're going to be producing the batteries for that truck. So uh, it should be something that a lot of Georgians want to take advantage of. So I love this truck because, one, the F-150 is America's best-selling vehicle, period, right? So, I mean, already you've got this big market. Two, Ford came in with just a crazy price point. So this truck starts at $39,000, an electric car for $39,000. And you can get the 7,500 federal tax credit off of it. So, you know, low 30s to start. And it's got really cool features. And the one that I want to talk about is one that you mentioned in your interview with Juliet. You know, you said something about we've got all of these EVs that are sitting in the garage with batteries. And, you know, people are going to start figuring out, like, how do we use this to back up our home? And I will tell you the truth. When I've had power outages, I've thought about that, right? The batteries sitting in my EV that I'd love to be able to tap into and run the fridge and maybe some lights and TV and stuff. But Ford actually is going to deliver this thing with a bi-directional capability. So you can plug it in, in your garage, it'll charge like normal, but if your power goes off, it'll feed back into the house, keep your power on. How cool is that, Tim? 
That is so cool, Casey, because all these other cars that have been manufactured, it voids the warranty if you do that. And here Ford is coming out and basically advertising that this vehicle will do that. I mean, that, that, I mean not only is it going to be a vehicle that has lower operating cost and you know better performance, but the thing is going to power your house in an outage. I mean, that's incredible. Yeah. And, you know, it's funny, my wife, who is uh, very much not a truck person, uh, she saw this announcement and she said, well, you know, maybe we'll get some more EV charging infrastructure in rural Georgia now. What do you think about that? Yeah, I think that getting rural Georgia, middle Georgia, south Georgia to buy EVs, use them, love them, brag on them, you know, post it on their social media is going to go a long way, Casey, towards convincing Republican legislators who are in those areas to then love them and want them and, more importantly, create policies that allow us to get more of them. And so if Republicans think that their constituents hate electric vehicles, well, you know what? They're not going to do anything about it. But if their constituents begin to show that we like this for reasons A, B, C, and D, it is going to be a change in the mindset and perspective of Republicans, Casey, just like it, just like solar has. Solar, Republicans promote solar now in South Georgia. When I came to office in 2011, they hated it. They hated it, but now they love it because they've seen how it's improved the tax digest in these counties, how it's given them more ambulances and more ball fields and better school systems and more clean energy jobs. And and I believe that the F-150 has the ability alone to bring about this change. Yeah, so that's really interesting, right? Because you've talked about this and you talked about it in uh, your uh, interview with Juliet, right? Like solar is one of the big success stories for you and getting your Republican colleagues to embrace it. And you said, you know, EVs is the next challenge. So you're saying this F-150 Lightning may be the thing that gets Republicans to embrace electric vehicles. Yes, and and those EMCs that are scattered throughout South Georgia, the fact that Alan Shedd, our buddy who's been on this show a dozen times, Alan Shedd, his sole job with the EMCs is to get those rural EMCs and others to adopt electric vehicles. So now if he has in his little toolbox an F-150 that he can drive around and show Farmer Jones or show Hunter Bob or, you know, gun shop owning Mike, uh, that, that when those South Georgians say, man, I love this truck. Have you seen my electric truck? And there's a smile on their face and they're using it and they're towing their boat to the river. I mean, Casey, that is such a game changer. That's awesome. So I want to pick up on something else that you mentioned to uh, Juliet in your interview, which is utilities are now being asked to help cities fulfill their 100% clean energy goals. And I know, you know, Tim, in the past, you have been um, a little bit of a critic of how cities have approached these clean energy goals in that um, you're a big proponent of collaboration and you haven't seen that. You haven't seen the cities reaching out to the PSC. You haven't seen the cities reaching out to the utility to say, hey, we want to do this thing. Can you help us uh, make it happen? And I- I'd love to hear, you know, how is that changing or is it changing? I think it's changing in certain places. Athens, Mayor Kelly Gertz has certainly reached out. Andrew Saunders, who we've had on the show, has mm-hmm. reached out. So, there are cities, I believe, that are serious about this. And then there are cities that are, that are setting these goals for show, that they, they don't necessarily ever intend to do anything about it. Uh, and so I have been frustrated when I've seen a city announce this, and then they won't meet with me to talk about it. Because, I mean, my colleagues and I have the ability to compel the power company. We can make the power company do things. We can make them help their, that city. But if those city officials never sit down with us and explain their goal and how they would love to reach this, this segment of it by this year and that segment of it by this year, I, then I can't help them. And it leads, you know, it, it leads me to believe they really don't want to accomplish it. So, I mean, as many city folks as might listen to our show, hey, we would love to meet with you. I would love to meet with you. I will come to your city. I will sit down with you. We want to be able to help you meet your goals. But it is going to take cooperation in order to do it because cities, you can't afford 
to build the resources to power 100% uh, of your uh, of your community, your residents, your apartments, your businesses, let alone your your city operations. Well, I hope you continue to hold cities' feet to the fire on this. I, I worked with cities and counties on climate change in the late aughts, and one of the things that was frustrating to me at the time was very much what you've said, right? Like, you know, the press release, the commitment, all the adulation, and then nothing happens, right? And so we've got to make things happen. I appreciate you both being willing to help make them happen and holding people accountable for, you know, doing what they say they're going to do. Tim, in our last minute here or so, I just I want to get your quick take. You mentioned something about challenges and unintended consequences of microgrids and the Georgia Tech demonstration microgrid. We don't have a ton of time, but like what kinds of challenges and unintended consequences are you seeing so far? Well, on Jekyll Island, we're going to be putting uh, about two megawatts of batteries out there. And they had wanted a microgrid. Uh, but as the power company got into the analysis, it wasn't that it's impossible to take their existing landfill solar and the existing power coming onto the, you know, onto the island and the new batteries. And uh, it wasn't impossible to create the microgrid. It was just going to be really expensive to do it. Yeah. And, and so I, th- I think what we want to do with microgrids is be, a- be able to, one, assess, okay, you know, what, where are you at? What kind of sources of energy do we have access to in order to be able to island off your load and be able to keep it running no matter what, and then be able to effectively pay for that in a way that makes sense for all the rest of the ratepayers. Makes sense. Well, folks, you've been listening to Energy Matters. Hope you've enjoyed the show and hope you have a great rest of your day. I'm Casey Boyce. I'm at Casey Boyce on Twitter. He's Tim Eccles. He's at Tim Eccles on Twitter. And the show is at Matters Radio on Twitter. Have a great day, everyone. Energy Matters would like to thank Gas South for its support of the show. Gas South has a no deposit policy and offers some of the lowest per therm rates in the state. Use the promo code MATTERS for a special deal. Gas South, the difference is good. The electric car revolution is coming and the choices are growing. Gem cars are everywhere. You've seen these low speed electric vehicles on college campuses, downtown Atlanta streets, and resort islands like St. Simons and Jekyll. Gem cars are street legal, equipped with seatbelts, headlights, and a tag, and can operate on on roads with speed limits of 35 miles per hour or less. If you want to know more about these electric cars and trucks, six passenger shuttles, mobile repair service, or full vehicle wraps, go to gemcarservice.com. That's G-E-M, carservice.com. Creative Solar USA is a Georgia-based turnkey installer of innovative solar panel systems. With their NABCEP certified installers, they ensure you receive the highest quality solar energy system in the industry. They're proud to work with you before, during, and after the install, blending customer demand, system capability, and expertise to provide the best service possible. Contact them today at 770-485-7438 or creativesolarusa.com. Now serving B24 at DMV window number 7. Okay, Jim, we're next in line. Perfect, Jim. Things are going very smoothly. You remember the cell phone bill? Yes, and the birth certificate. Nice. We'll have a real ID in no time. That's right. Ready to fly to Carla's graduation and then the big game. Real great work, Jim. You too, Jim. Excuse me, are you talking to yourself? Now serving B25 at window number 10. That's our cue, Jim. Excuse us. Talk yourself into real ID readiness by May 3rd, 2023. Make a plan at dhs.gov slash real ID.